Coffee with Humans is a lot like Sunday brunch. People gathering around a table just to have a chat and get reconnected. My new friend, James McNeil, is joining us today on Coffee with Humans. James, welcome to Coffee with Humans. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm always curious. Uh, I know I know why I choose to have coffee with folks. I'm curious what inspired you to click the button to have coffee with me. I believe um, I believe every day we have an opportunity, an amazing opportunity to connect with people. And when we sit down and we just open ourselves up to the possibilities of what can happen when we do connect, there's no telling what can ha- what we can uh, what we can accomplish together. Just learning about each other, just sitting and conversing. Um, I've had conversations over coffee where we've solved world hunger, uh, where we've done amazing things, and where we just argued over which superhero was best, and we've always had a good time. So that's what I look forward to it every time. This as well is just what can we learn from each other and how can we empower each other to grow? It's funny how you talk about solving world hunger, because it does seem true that when uh, when when people sit down to simply converse, the, the ex- conversations either stay small and insignificant or they expand out into this like this global, you know, we've got global catastrophes. What are we around this table can do about it? It is hilarious and it is also wonderful to see uh, people from all walks of life with different viewpoints saying, let's come together. And it's usually over coffee, over food. I'm a cigar lover over cigars or something like that that you all have in common. I mean, coffee is something that most people do have in common. We love our coffee. And if we can sit together and just sip coffee and talk about it, you know what? We may not agree about this, but this is great coffee and it works. Yeah. And uh, I wrote something recently uh, about the idea of coffee and why the word coffee uh, was in there. Number one, I love coffee and I enjoy the I enjoy experimentation, all the ways to make coffee. But then there's this idea that coffee is is a what, kind of a universal times when you can just sit down. It represents the idea of sitting down with an individual, having a conversation and enjoying uh, kind of in a vulnerable moment, something that we, we sort of universally love. We love eating and drinking. And, and why not do that with friends? Exactly. Uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid, and I'm going to age myself a little bit on this, but when I was a kid, the idea of family dinners and people coming over to visit and having a meal together was a big thing. Yeah. It, it wasn't when I say it was a big thing. It wasn't that it was something we didn't do very often, and it was a big deal. We did it every every week, if not every night. And when we had when we had people visiting, we would have a meal together, and the conversations were always wonderful. Um, granted, I was a kid, and I wasn't in on a lot of the adult conversations, but just the fact that people would open up to each other was just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about uh, kind of in pretty heavy terms, actually, this idea that when people get together, it, it's it's a real opportunity. What what brought you to that understanding or where, frame that understanding for me if you can. Well, it's going to get a little heavier. <laughs> what brought me to that understanding was 
I am a uh, I am a two-time suicide survivor. Uh, that means that twice I got to the point that I thought there was no way out. Yeah. And then in September of 2017, I almost tried a third time, and someone reached out to me and talked with me and worked me through that. But the big thing wasn't that night. It was going forth from there. Even though we were in different parts of the country, we would sit every day and talk on the phone. And we always had a cup of coffee together when we were talking. Mm-hmm. It was it was talking over coffee, even though we were miles apart. And he would encourage me and empower me to overcome this, these thoughts and the obstacles that led to these thoughts. And that was the that was the the realization that whenever you're sitting down with someone over coffee, over food, or whatever the case may be, something you have in common, that you can do amazing things together because it is just that powerful. Yeah. I I agree with you. Uh, I tell people that there, there are three distinct powers that people have that nothing else on the planet has. Number one is the ability to name our present reality and name a different future. Uh, And to clarify for ourselves and each other what that looks like. The second thing that we have is the ability to create. We can create all sorts of things, things that uh, eventually we don't want or things, or we can create the future that we do want. And then the third thing I think we have the power to do is to destroy things. And destruction can come for two different reasons. One is the destroying something that uh, you know, we're, we're negligent about. We, we destroyed something that we needed and we didn't know it, you know, to our detriment. Or we can destroy things that just no longer serve us, the, the, the hurts and the hangups in our lives that, that, you know, they were there for a reason at one point in time, but boy, we held on to that too long. And we, we need to destroy it to get it out of our lives. So it's this idea of naming, creating, and destroying. Everything else on the planet just exists. It exists in its in, in the, uh, the place that it's in. And if you change its atmosphere, its environment, it dies. But people are highly resilient and can make it through uh, different circumstances. Like you talked about, you, you know, you've come to the edge twice uh, where you felt that there was no, no, there was no other way out other than to leave. And you, you seem to have found a way through that in those moments. And, it, and, and I believe other people find themselves in those situations, but they're, uh, they just don't have a framework to talk about it. That's one thing that I want to 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 do through this and through other podcasts that I've guessed that I've been a guest on is to empower people to say, first of all, it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. I don't even have them all in the same pond. Okay? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> It's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to reach out and ask for help. And one of these discussions that my friend and I had, he he brought me to task on something that I didn't like the way he brought me to task on it. I'm ex-Army. He's ex-Army. So you can understand there was a lot of push-ups that went into this. (laughs) I wish I was making that part up. (laughs) But he said you need to understand the way you see yourself and how powerful that is. And he addressed this idea that 
I've come to realize it's a real term. I thought he just made it up, but it's imposter syndrome. Are you familiar with the phrase imposter syndrome? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for those who are watching who are not familiar with this phrase, if you've ever caught yourself, you've accomplished something, it's great. I just got lucky. Or, you know what? I'm really not that smart. I'm really not that good. I'm really not that good looking. We could go on and on with the negative statements we make about ourselves. Or you could imagine yourself in a situation where you need help. I'm not quite capable of doing this myself, but if I ask for help, people will think mm -hmm. I'm a fake. All of those are imposter syndrome. And it has to do with the way you see yourself. Okay. And I have come to the understanding that I'm not perfect and I never will be, but I am capable of overcoming the obstacles that I have in front of me. Maybe not by myself. I might need help, but I am capable of doing, capable of doing so. And that came from talking with him and those daily discussions over coffee. And uh, he, he turned out to be a little bit of a drill sergeant there too. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, sometimes it takes a bit of a drill sergeant, I think, to help us move through those points. It's uh, I, I envision it. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not in the army. I've never been in the army. I've never been in combat. However, this idea of you know, you, you never leave a man behind. If if someone is is shot or stumbled over on the on the battlefield, and they're unable to walk for themselves, there comes a point where it's important to surround or be surrounded by folks who will drag you off, mm -hmm. you know, when you can't stand yourself. And and it's not that you won't be able to stand or walk or do in the future, but right now, I need somebody else there who can help me. Exactly, exactly. Um, I tell people, imagine yourself at a guard post and you see a bunch of people coming towards you. You're gonna ask for help doesn't mean you're weak. It's just too much for you. Yeah. In the army, we understood that. When we got out of the army, now we have to suddenly do everything ourselves. And it does not make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. This, the framework changes. I talked, um, I talked to the friend, uh, Zach Rivera. He was on coffee some time ago before they were live, in fact. And uh, you can catch his on YouTube. Uh, one of the things he helps, he's a ex Green Beret. And he says, you know, you take these highly capable people kind of set apart in the military and then you, you bring them out of the military. And for, for people who have lived in an environment where a lot of, a lot of the structure is in place for life, throw them into an environment where there's now no structure and you got to make it up yourself. You got to figure out how to pay your bills. He's like, yeah, I didn't even, he's like, I didn't know how to make a resume until I was like 32. You know, because I didn't need it. I I just I just kind of did my thing. And he says, and and that and it is a hard break coming from that structured environment to an unstructured environment instead of having an easy transition. Uh, and there's no there's there's limited facilities for that. And so naturally, people find themselves in that new unstructured environment, and it's you're ripe for failure. Uh, and then and then you take a person who's highly capable has always done a good job and now is beginning to fail at things that seem so basic for everybody else. And it's like, okay, now what do I do? Exactly. Exactly. 
Um, I have a very good friend and veteran brother named Richard Kaufman. He has a podcast of his own called Success, Your Why Powers Your How. And uh, he talked about an issue he faced when he got out of the Army. And I realized that once he put it into words, it's like, this makes sense. He makes he, he gets it. He, he stayed in for 20 years, over 20 years. I was only in for six and a half years. Hmm. But in that time, I had identified myself as a soldier. Granted, there were days I really wish I didn't identify as a soldier, but that's another story. Sure. I had identified as a soldier. And then all of a sudden, in January of 2005, the Army said, we're going to medically discharge you because I had messed up my knees. Okay. By May, I was out. Now, normally this is a process that takes a year or two years. I was done and I was done very quickly. Wow. So I went from being a soldier to now I'm not a soldier anymore. I couldn't really call myself a civilian because I wasn't the same person I was before I went in. Yeah. I didn't really feel like a veteran because the word <laughs> veteran just has a different kind of- It's thing. a loaded term. It is. <laughs> yeah. So who was I? I had this identity crisis. Yeah. And then uh, one thing I don't tell a lot of people is I went from E1 private to E4 specialist in 19 months, just over a year and a half. Okay. Um, ask anyone in the military, that is unheard of. Most of the time yeah. it's usually around two to three years. Right. They were preparing me to just go up the ladder. And if I had kept if I had kept going with that particular trajectory, I would have been a sergeant major inside 15 years. Wow. But I got hurt. Sure. I was at Fort Campbell doing what they call aerosol school and going down the rope, my foot hit the wrong way and I hurt my knee. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, this amazing squared away soldier was a piece of junk who couldn't yeah. get promoted. So I stayed at E4. I went there so quickly and stayed there the rest of the time. Okay. So I went from thinking, okay, I'm pretty good soldier. I may be a good soldier. I'm not really a good soldier now. Now I'm not even a soldier. Yeah. And it just those things really affect your identity. And and going back to what I was saying about the coffee with my friend how that how deeply that impacted me he made me realize that your identity does not have to be wrapped up in what you do your right. identity is who you are yeah who are you that's a huge change for people though and i think a realization that that uh it seems that we are unable to come to without some sort of struggle it seems that the the false identities have to almost be stripped away from us by force and then we find ourselves in a real, I think, opportunity. It's a terrible place to be, you know, when you're going through it. But it's honestly, it's a real opportunity to be able to rebuild or understand what is the foundation that is holding me together. Uh, because I think a lot of people just don't, they don't get that opportunity. Uh, and then and then I think this idea of, you know, what is my higher purpose or something like that is lost on people. And yet, and yet, like we talked about earlier, you know, whenever people come together, they feel like, oh my gosh, we got these big things to do in the world. And I, and I, it, it seems that those folks who ha are, who are confronted with the opportunity 
to identify who they are as individuals can then and then have the fortitude to walk fully into that those are the folks who who go off and do the big things usually those are once you once you're able to overcome that 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 basic who am i yeah and uh, when i said the who are you it reminded me of something if you have you ever heard of toastmasters yes totally i am a former toastmaster are you really okay. president of a local club I've taken part in the international competition, got to the got to the area competition, got to the division competition that lost there. But I will be the world champion one day. All right. Mark that calendar, it will happen. But one of my fellow Toastmasters gave a speech one day, and he has given me full permission to to bring this up. His name is Chris Mahan. Okay. And he, he gave me permission to do this. And it goes around one question. His public speaking teacher said, we're going to take a test. The rules are simple. As a matter of fact, anyone watching this, have fun with this because this will, this will totally break your brain. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it already. <laughs> the rules are simple. You cannot use any past tense language. No past tense verbs. Okay. You cannot repeat an answer and you can't say anything negative. It's, he said it's 10 questions and you're going to notice a pattern very quickly on these questions. The first question is, who are you? And he said, well, I'm Chris Mayhem for me. Hey, I'm James McNeil. You're Jason Todd. Who are you? Very easy. Second question. Who are you? Third question, who are you? It goes on down the list. You can't repeat, but you have to get yourself down to that, to that bare bones understanding of who you are in this moment. Oh, wow. And when you get to that bare bones understanding, then you start to, you start to realize that you're not broken, mm. that you're not a mistake, that you're not a mess, and you're not a piece of junk. Wow. And one of the things that came to me, and if you're not a religious person, I hope this doesn't offend, but uh, the uh, gentleman I spoke with in 2017, one of my friends, he's a really good guy. He knows that I am a person of faith, okay. even though he isn't. And he said, there's a book in the Bible called Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now there's more to it, but we stopped there. And he also knew something else about me. I love bladed weapons. I love swords. I love knives. I used to have a sword collection. And he said, you love blades. So I have a question. What does it take for a sword to be considered a masterpiece? Are you familiar with that? No. For a sword to be considered a masterpiece, it has to be made by a master craftsman. Okay. An apprentice could actually make one better, but it's not a masterpiece because it wasn't made by a master. Okay. He said, do we not call God master? I said, well, yes, we do. He said, then you're a masterpiece. 
Yeah. You don't have to earn that title. You've already got it. Yeah. Act like it. Mm -hmm. So who are you? Jason, you're a masterpiece. I'm a masterpiece. If you're watching this, you're a masterpiece. You don't have to earn that title. You're not a piece of junk. Act like one because you are one. Yeah. And that is one thing that I've had to learn. And I had to learn the hard way in September of 2017 when he and I were talking. I was looking at a bottle of sleeping pills saying, I need to take this whole thing. And he said, don't do that. You're a masterpiece. Don't break yeah. that masterpiece. Yeah. I, so uh, I think you and I have probably similar similar ideologies. I would say that everybody is a is a is, is an individual of faith. It just depends on what you have faith in, and the uh, the the idea that I've mentioned to you earlier, this idea of naming, creating, and destroying, actually comes from the second chapter of Genesis. So, re, you know, first chapter of Genesis, regardless of whether people think it's you know literal days or at epochs or whatever, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is is that all of this stuff exists and we are part of it. And, and then in the second chapter, there's this really, there's this one sentence that gets lost, I think. And uh, the second chapter of Genesis starts off with, again, by the way, God created all this stuff. And, and it's kind of like, and you didn't, is the subtext I take from it. And then there's this one verse. It says, God brought the animals to the man to see what the man would name them. And I and I envision, I have this vision in my mind of a of an individual, and I think we all can see this idea of the a young a young son. And there's a father who's there, and he says, and you, know, you bring stuff to your kid, and then you say, "Hey, what do, what do you want to do with this?" And the kid's like, "Well, is it mine? Dude, hold on, what do you what what should I do with it, Dad?" And you're like. I, I Kayla, listen, dude, I gave it to you. What do you want to do with it? And there's this idea that that we are imparted with all of the stuff around us. It's given to us to do something with it. And if you want to do something different with it than it was designed, you can do that to your detriment. If you want to do something with it to make it better in some way or to reshape it or recraft it, like, hey, you want to take a coffee bean and you want to roast that sucker and you want to grind it up and you want to run water through it to make coffee, you could do that. The coffee bean does not care. It doesn't even know. And, and it had no idea because you know what coffee trees do? They just exist in their own environment. And if the environment changes too much, they're dead. We are the only, the only piece of creation that can substantially change and we can and and i believe we are given the authority and responsibility in fact to to understand who we are name ourselves and name a future that we'd like to see we're given the responsibility to create something great and we're given the responsibility to destroy things that no longer serve us that is amazing and I've heard people, I've heard a preacher talk about that verse that you're talking about where God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. And he said they didn't even, they weren't even alive at that point. It was when Adam yeah. named them that they came to life. Yeah. And I think one of the beautiful things that, to, that I, you know, I keep in mind um, is that regardless, regardless of, you know, religious background, the heartbeat in all of us, 
as, as the creatures that we are, the heartbeat in all of us is to desire something like I desire that the tomorrow would be better than today. I desire that, that my, there would be a legacy that would go on. We're always naming something off in the future. It doesn't matter who we are. We don't have to come from, from a Judeo Christian background to have that same heartbeat. Yep. And, and each of us, regardless of our backgrounds or our current understandings are imparted with that creative energy and that destructive energy. And we, and we all feel it. And, and I, and so I, 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 it is interesting that we, when you find ourselves, when you find yourself in that dark situation where the only way out is to just exit, it is, it really is a loss of identity in, in this idea that I, I am still in this moment able to name something off in the future to, to, you know, to or maybe name my current reality and say, this is the way it is. This is, this is my present reality, but it's not going to have to stay that way because I create something different and I can destroy something different. And, and, and I think a real, real important part is coupling that with, we're never meant to be alone. And so we have to be about the business of either being a light to somebody else who's in that darkness, right? Uh, or, uh, when we find ourselves in that darkness, um, reaching out, you know, trusting that there's going to be somebody else in that, you know, to be a light in our darkness, like those we're, we're in, we're either going into the darkness or coming out of the darkness at any point in time. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um, my father used to say, you're either walking into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're walking out of one. That's totally true. Yeah, I, I I can't remember who I was talking with recently. This idea of struggle and pain, and this I and, and the concept was that struggle is just a natural is, is just a necessary and expected part of life. And when we understand that struggle is is a necessary and expected part of life, then we don't try to move through it um, in in quite the same ways. We don't abhor struggle. We don't push it away and try and pretend that it doesn't exist, it, which kind of gets back to your original, your, your, your other point of, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to say, hey, you know what? Life's kind of a shit show. Um, and I, 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 I didn't want it to be that way. I'm, I'm hoping it's not gonna be. And hey, listen, you happen to be around me. Is there anything like, w would you be willing to help, right? And in those, and, and I think if we, if we strip away strip away the facade of all the things that we have and all the understandings that we have. And I was like, all these things that just kind of cover up our, our core identities. Mm -hmm. And we just call ourselves humans. I think that we, we have really the ability to connect in ways that, that we, I think, sometimes deny. We don't want to connect because we're afraid. You know, what if I connected with that person who is really, really in that dark struggle? Um, I had a friend who uh, completed suicide uh, back probably in two thousand, late two, late I don't know, 2008, somewhere, somewhere around there, right? Maybe even earlier than that, two thousand five. I can't remember exactly. Anyhow, I had gone to high school with him years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, I had heard that he had ended up in a uh, in a hospital uh, because he had he had attempted suicide. Um, he, he was not successful. He ended up in the, in the hospital and I drove my office, uh, was on the, was, uh, I would pass, excuse me, I would pass the, uh, that hospital on the way to my office every day. And every day I would think I should go in and I should say, and I just like say hi, 
Um, and then I think my next thought was, who like who are you to say hi to him? Like you know you haven't talked with him in you know a decade. Uh, that'd be weird for you to just show up and say hi. Like what is his family gonna think? Like who's this dude? You know you haven't you haven't been around in a decade and now you, like now you show up and it's all and and so I just drive by drive by drive by drive by every day and it was it was a persistent thought in my mind. You should probably say hi to him. You should just go in and say hello. So he just is he's not alone. Well. Fortunately, I heard through, uh, I think my family a couple weeks later, Hey, you know, he was released. They, they let him out. And I was like, Oh, good. You know what my thought was? Oh, good. He's probably better. And now I don't need to worry about if I should say hi to him or not. And it probably was a week later that he corrected whatever had gone wrong the first time mm. and he completed suicide. And I, and I remember bawling my eyes out on the back of my deck and I journaled and journaled and journaled. And I was like, you like, who are you, Jason, that you, that your, your first thought, the thought that kept you from connecting with an individual who is in such a dark place and maybe felt so alone, your thought was, what are they going to think about you? And I thought oh. that is a terrible thought. Like, and, and so so now it's just like, hey, you know what? If, if 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 there's somebody who needs to be, who needs to know that you're just like, there's somebody there, like just do that. And I think so many people find themselves in that situation where it's just like, I'm. it's darkness and I'm pretty sure there's nobody here. And, and they're silent on the matter. And they're walking by us every day and we don't even know. We were, you were talking about how, how you uh, talked yourself out of going to see him in the hospital. And it reminded me of something. And it's how easily we talk ourselves out of doing really good things. We, we talk ourselves, hey, you know, I should really go talk to such and such. And uh, when I first got, uh, I was moved to a new unit at Fort Campbell. And I started working with a, a young man named Dennis. Dennis was a mentor. He taught me the new job. We deployed together. He was he was an amazing soldier. He was an amazing friend. And I had the opportunity to reach out to him in May of 2018, and I couldn't get a hold of anybody. And I was like, what's going on? So I reached out to a couple other friends that we deployed with and said, hey, have you heard from Dennis? And one of them said, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, he, he committed suicide mm. months ago. And I honestly, like you, I felt like a failure. I, I bawled my eyes out. I, I was like, why didn't I do this? I mean, life, we could go on and on with, with tales of we had an opportunity to talk to someone and we didn't do it. Yeah. Because we were worried about the way we would be perceived because we can talk ourselves out of things so easily. Oh, it's terrible. And it, and it is such an unfortunate situation, I think, because I, I, I've, I know, I know what it's like to be in those moments where it's just like, eh, is it worth it? And I think if people are honest with each other or with themselves, rather, I think that we have all found ourselves in some at some level of this idea of like is it worth it and so many people i think continue to fall 
deeper and deeper and deeper into that cycle of wondering, is it worth it? And are not going to ask. It's the guy. It's it's the guy who's on the battlefield. And it's like you know, it's like as the guy who's on the battlefield, it's like I'm shot. I can't get up. I I cannot move right now. I could try, but I think maybe it's not worth it. And we don't hear the cries. Mm -hmm. We don't. We just don't hear it. Our eyes. Our eyes are shut. Our ears are closed sometimes. Or we're too busy just going through our days. We got so much distraction. And the and yet I do believe that many times, just like I drove by that hospital thinking there's this there's this small voice. Hey, you know what you should do? You should go say something, right? And we just don't follow that until until we find ourselves on the other side of that, yeah, the terrible situation. We're like, well, I'll never do that again. I'm going to follow that still small voice. I'm going to just go. If that voice is like, you know what you should do? <laughs> you should go talk to that person. You know what you should do? You should absolutely go talk to that person. Because, okay. because each of us in that moment have the ability to name, create, and destroy. And that person over there may have lost track of the fact that they are powerful. They are vastly more powerful because they are they are also than, than anything around them because they are also endowed with that energy. 100%, yes. I, uh, I'm a firm believer in being there with other people and helping other people through it. But even I, there's no way I'm going to even try to lie to you and say, I do it all the time. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but uh, last year, Richard Kaufman, going back to Richard Kaufman, if you, like I said, you got to reach out to Richard. He's amazing. But last year he brought up something. He said, if you, and this is a Zig Ziglar quote, if you help enough people get what they want, they will help <laughs> you get what you want. Right. Take that and, 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 and just instead of going with helping enough people get what they want, if you support people, if you support yeah. people that, that need help, if you support your friends that are going through a rough day, hey, hey, Jason, you, you, you seem like you're a little stressed. What's going on? Most of the time, they'll be like, no, I'm fine. No, no, I'm serious. Let me help you. Yeah. But what, what do we do? Hey, man, my inbox is open. Send me a message if you need it. They're not going to do that. Nobody's going to do it. <laughs> no one is ever going to do that. And the only people who do that have, have already come through the cycle of mm -hmm. near disaster. And they're like, hey, I know enough now that I need, I'm going to actually sort circuit this whole process because I know where this heads. And so I'm going to reach out and say, you know what? Today is really not a great day. And I'm not exactly sure why, but it's not a great day, you know, or it's not a great day. And here's exactly why. Right. And, 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 but they've, but in that moment, that individual already knows who they're surrounded by. They've, they have handpicked some people around them to be like, you know what? You're my dude. You're my 3am call. Yep. Um, I'm, my life's mission with with what I've been through and what I do, my life's mission is twofold. Okay. Number one, I want to empower people. If you're considering that the world, if you've, if you've got this thought in your mind, the world will be better off without me here. First of all, that's a lie. Yeah. Period. The world is a better place because you are here. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Number two, if you know someone who is who is doing, dealing with this, I want to empower you to reach out to them and say, let me help you. You're, they're going to give you pushback. 
that's just it. They're going to. Yeah. But reach out and say, let me help you. And it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of guts to do that. But when you do, and you do that enough, the person you're reaching out to is going to say, okay, I give. This is what I'm dealing with. Now I can help you. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful, man. And and I want to honor the the struggle and also the the gift that has come in that struggle to you of of setting your life on a journey to empower those folks because you know what it's like you've walked that path and who better who better to walk with somebody else down that path than somebody's been there before so that's exactly. that's super powerful how do people uh, how do people follow up with you or get in contact with you for what it is that you're doing I have a one-stop web website for everything. Okay. Uh, it's jamesmcneilauthor.com. On that website, you can look up the book that I wrote called Finding Your Personal Mission. You can look up the T-shirts that I sell. You can send me an email. You can go to my, my Facebook page. You can follow me on Twitter. And spoiler alert, very soon there will be a YouTube channel that's linked to that as well. I love it. <laughs> um, about empowering people. It's, yeah. it's going to be based on the blog that I have there, but a YouTube channel about how can I help you not only overcome these yourself, but help other people. So yeah. it, like I said, twofold, I'm helping people wow. who are dealing with this. And I'm also helping everyone else to say, let me help you. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. I am, I am thrilled for this moment. I know that I know that as we communicate about these difficult topics, uh, that it, these the message doesn't return void, right? So it goes out. Uh, and today we're live streaming across across the world. In fact, and we've got viewers and listeners from across the world. Uh, and then subsequently it goes out on a podcast on Apple and Google. Uh, and so thank you. I honor I honor you and your willingness to uh, to open up about your journey. I know it's not been I know it's not been easy. Um, but, uh, I also know, I also trust that, it, that it's worth it. Thank you, sir. I do appreciate that. Um, the, uh, I've had somebody say, ah, oh, you're just trying to sell stuff. And you know what? I don't care if I don't make any money. The big thing, and I'm not really making a lot, but the big thing here is if I can help one person yeah. to put suicide in their rearview mirror or yeah. help one person to help another put suicide in their rearview mirror. Yeah, it's worth it. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate it so much. Thanks for being on uh, Coffee with Humans. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. This has been Coffee with Humans. Subscribe to get updates or click to have coffee with me. Coffeewithhumans.com.